0: right well we are in second corinthians chapter 6 and the first few verses of chapter 6 ties right into the end of chapter 5 and paul has been showing us through the last few weeks just the priority of the gospel that we are going to be seeing Jesus Christ face to face and through all the issues that he's been going through with the corinthians and how they had been starting to look towards these quote unquote super apostles people that were professionals people that had great outward appearance they had all the letters and all the things you would need to, quote, have the highest respect. Paul has been defending himself in his ministry by sharing with them the priority and the importance of the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ came, died, rose again for our sins to the whole world, that priority over even his own reputation. In defending himself, he's not trying to defend his reputation, he's consistently trying to point people back to Christ. And then we saw in the last chapter this ministry of reconciliation, that Christ is reconciling the world through himself and that he's using us to do that. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and we're going to read the first two verses of chapter 6 together. Lord, we thank you so much that you have this ministry of reconciliation, that you're working in us. We pray that you'd continue to work in us, Lord, and that we would use your grace for your glory and for your good, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read verses 1 and 2 together. We then, as workers together with Him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For He says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now, this should be terrifying. That should jump off the pages of Scripture to us, that Paul is pleading with the Corinthians not to use the grace of God in vain. That means we can receive the grace of God, and it can be wasted on us, used in vain, not being used. And it's so important that he's pleading with them. And we're going to talk about what that means. But first off, he wants to go straight to the root cause. There are some Corinthians that are not saved. And so he quotes Isaiah 49:8 here, today is the day of salvation. And if you're not a Christian here and you're a guest, you're visiting here, it, today is the day of salvation. Time to get saved. But there's a difference between a believer and a disciple. And we're going to talk about that difference today. And we're going to talk about what it means to be a disciple. You see, a disciple is going to receive God's grace and is going to use it, and he's going to represent the Lord. Remember the last few words from last chapter that we're ambassadors. Now, Paul says he is not using the grace of God in vain. In 1 Corinthians, the, the previous epistle, he says in chapter 15, verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. And so Paul says, we're not to use the grace of God in vain. We're to go out there and to preach the gospel. I loved what Warren Wearsby put in his commentary. He said that we're not to be couch potatoes, and especially as Christians, we're not to be pew potatoes, where we just sit there and we're filled with the word of God and we're not actually doing anything with it. But the question becomes... Is God supposed to do it? Does God use us? Does He come into us? Does He make us do things for Him? Or are we supposed to do it? Are we supposed to go and hear from the Lord, learn the Word of God, and then we have to go make it happen? Well, the answer is yes, to both. You see, apart from God, we can do nothing, but we are to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. See, the answer is yes. Remember 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 and 20. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Jesus does the word, the work, he gives us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As through God, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You guys see those those four parts there? All things are of God. God reconciled us. He did the work on the cross. We didn't do anything. He, He did it all. It is finished, He cried from the cross. And He has reconciled us. He's made that relationship whole again that we lost in the garden. And then in doing that work in us, we are now His ambassadors that He sends to the world. What power does an ambassador have? The ambassador is not a king or a general or president or a senate. The ambassador is just a messenger. We are messengers for Christ. And now, He said in the previous chapter, He is pleading to the whole world, through us. He wants to use us. Now, a friend of mine, he, he sent me a, a video. It's of this atheist. This atheist is saying in this video that he doesn't respect Christians that don't, in his words, proselytize. We use the word evangelize, sharing the good news. He says, what kind of person believes that someone is going to hell or going to heaven and that these places exist but cares so little for those around them that they won't say anything about it? just to keep social context going. He, he says he lost me. Now, he doesn't believe in those things. This is an atheist. And the, the Bible tells us that God wants to be pleading with the world, as amba- using us as ambassadors. And so remember, I said, well, what is it then? Are we supposed to do the thing, or does God do it in us? And the answer is yes. Don't let the grace of God be wasted, be in vain in your life. We mentioned it earlier in James 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And now we're going to talk about the difference between being a believer and being a disciple. You know, a believer is someone that confesses Jesus Christ as Lord, they've received Him in His heart, they trust Him for salvation, and they're saved. A disciple is a disciplined one, a follower of Christ. You want to be used by Jesus you want to share this ministry of reconciliation with the world. You want to be an ambassador for Christ. You want to serve Him. I'm going to be sharing this verse all the way through the sermon. Paul says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That is a disciple, someone who sold it all to follow after the Lord. And people talk to me about the ministry, or they want to learn about the ministry, or they want to be in the ministry, and they have a different perception of what that ministry is. And there's a lot of things that I want to teach, I want to share, I want to, I want to show people. But most of them, they have to be experienced. And they're experienced in your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They can't just be taught. You experience it. Well, we'll use one example, super popular right now. We'll use those Navy SEALs. What's the brochure for the Navy SEALs say? Oh, yeah, we're going to keep you awake for a week, a week with one hour's sleep. We're going to throw you in freezing cold Pacific Ocean. We're going to roll you around in the sand of the beaches. We're going to make you carry ridiculously heavy logs and boats. And after that week, that's just the price of admission. Eighty percent of you are going to quit. After that, you have months and years of training. When you finally get to be on your team, we're going to put you in life-threatening conditions where many of you are probably going to die. And the line of people that want to line up for that is ridiculous. So many. But when we talk about the ministry, people don't really think about what it, the calling really entails. They, they think about preaching to crowds or being respected or being smart or being comforted. Well, let's see what the brochure says, shall we? Let's look at the brochure here in verses 3 through 5. We give no offense in anything, but that our ministry may not be blamed But in all things, we commend ourselves as ministers of God. All right, you want to be a minister of God? In much patience, in tribulations, in needs, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings. We're just starting. We're just starting this list. Now, there's a a movie from a few years ago that I, that I like and there's a scene in that movie that really spoke to me especially the time I saw it. This is a boxer that's in the great depression. His children are starving, he's been evicted, he's lost everything. And he's in this boxing match and this guy is just pummeling him. In fact, there's a scene where his ribs are broken, he's beaten up, his face is gone and he's about to throw in the towel, but he has this vision, he has this vision of his kids and why he's in there of the empty plates. And how they, he needs that food. And he gets hit so hard, his mouthpiece hits the, ca- the canvas. As he's thinking this, he kind of wobbles over there. And he thinks of all that pain and that suffering. He thinks of his injuries. And he picks that mouthpiece up. He puts it in his mouth. And he smiles at that guy that's beating him. Because he knows what it's in there for. That is the ministry. But the cause is not to feed. It's not for money. The cause is Christ that I was destined to hell. I was destined to go where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, where there is eternal fire from everlasting to everlasting. But Jesus Christ saved me on the cross. He gave his life for me. And remember, Paul just told us in the previous chapter that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm going to the kingdom now. I'm going to be face to face with the Lord. And I pray that I hear those words, enter into the grace of the Lord. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And, and you hear those things, and you know what Christ has given for you, and you say, oh, that's that thing that makes me smile in torment, that makes me smile in difficulty, in distresses. I think about those, those Navy SEAL guys rolling out there in the middle of the night, no food, hungry, guys ringing the bell. How is it that pastors, ministers, preachers, followers of Christ can endure these great things and keep on going when so many ministers just go and ring the bell? They quit because they're trying to do these things in and of themselves. Remember what I said. I said, does God do it in us or do we do the work? The answer is yes. What Paul said is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. And I have the same heart that Paul had when he was speaking to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others all, also. We want to be able to teach people this, but I just told you guys earlier, you can't really teach it. You can only experience it. And then we'll see what you're really in there for. Oh, you want to be a disciple, huh? You want to be a real Christian? Well, as a minister of God, he talks about patience, tribulations, needs, distresses, stripes, imprisonments, tumults, labors, sleeplessness, fastings. Nothing happens overnight. People talk bad about you. They criticize you. They'll praise you one day, then they're talking bad about you the next day. They'll betray you. They'll turn from you. They'll say that they'll be loyal or that they're invested in something for years and then they're gone. Sleepless nights, there's plenty of those. But remember, the Lord is our great example. He prayed all night long. He comes down the mountain and people are begging for miracles from Him. These same people, a few months later, will be begging for Him to be crucified. There's nothing new under the sun. Distresses, tribulations, needs, yeah, bills got to get paid. Life's going to happen. You're going to get sick like everyone else. You're going to have relationship issues like everybody else. And on top of that, you have the added weight of the gospel and all the forces of hell against you. And you dare try and be a Christian, a disciple, in and of your own strength? No, you can only do it in the walk with Jesus Christ. This is what it means to follow the Lord, to endure. Now, Christ doesn't call us to suffer. You know, there's some people that are on the other end of the spectrum. They just think that to be a Christian means to suffer more than everyone else. No, he's not calling us to suffer, but we are to endure because this is not our home. Remember the previous chapter? We don't live for this world. We don't live for this life. In fact, we're to live this life cheaply. What do I mean by live this life cheaply? You mean it's not important? No, but you need to be willing to throw throw it down. You need to be willing to, to leave it. The majority of you cannot follow the Lord because you're so busy just trying to preserve your life, preserve your comfort, preserve yourself as much as possible. One of the rich young rulers came to Jesus, said he wanted to follow him, but he said, first let me go home and bury my father, which means first let me see him through the retirement home and then bury him and then I'll follow you. You know what Jesus said? Let the dead bury the dead, he said. What does it matter? The intention is... He's inferring, what does it matter if the soul is not walking with the Lord? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul? Paul knew what he was talking about in Romans 14, verse 8, when he said, For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Okay, that's the cost. Remember, Paul said, It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You want to be a disciple, then read the brochure first before you sign up. So many followers of the Lord, and it could be children's ministry, janitor, prayer ministry, senior pastor, does not matter. They think that they're going to get a parking spot that says pastor parking only. You see that thing? Kick it down. We don't have one here, so I'm not worried about it, and you could deal with the church you do it at, whatever. And I think about what other people have endured to teach me that. You see, we talk about what Paul is doing for the Corinthians there and what he lived so that they could hear the gospel. And, you know, I'm going to my hometown in a few days. And as I was studying this, I was thinking about the brothers and sisters that were there and what they endured to teach me the Bible, to teach me grace, to teach me the Word of God, the fights, the arguments, the the hard times they went through. But then you can even go back, I think, about Paul himself and what he endured to give us these gospels. What our church fathers, our founding fathers and sisters, what they did for us to get the Word of God in English, to be able to study, to live in a country where you can worship any style of worship in any church. There's no no national church that we're forced to go to. All these things are given to us. And then ultimately, of course, Jesus Christ given Himself. And then we ask again, is the grace of God been given to you in vain? Are you a pew potato? Now, not many are called to be disciples, no. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We're all called to be Christians. But remember, we're all called to be ambassadors for Christ. That's in the previous chapter. He is the king. The ambassador has no power. Think about that for a second. The ambassador has no power, no armies, no country. He's a messenger. But when the ambassador is in alignment with the home nation is all the authority, all the power. Imagine you're the ambassador. You go to the uh, head of state of another country and you say, on behalf of whatever country, we have declared war on you. What power is in that statement? But what power does that ambassador have? Nothing. He's just giving the message. That's his job. We are messengers for Christ. We are ambassadors. Don't let this message go in vain. Now, you cannot serve Christ unless you're willing to give up your life. And too many are seeking to preserve it. And I think of how many gave their lives so that we could receive this gospel, hear this word, to grow in him, because they weren't, they weren't scared To lose it. Now, how do you do these things? That's something else. How do you do it? This is not possible apart from Christ. Well, verses 6 through 10 are going to tell us how to do it by purity, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God. By the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and yet, and behold, we live, as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. Now we have three sections. The previous section was the in-verses. Now we're going to look at the by-verses, and then later we're going to look at the as-verses. We're going to separate them. You can only do things by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report. Number one thing I want you to see by all these things, we have none of them, zero, zilch. They come from God a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're going to be a minister of God, a disciple of God, you've got to be with God. You've got to be walking with Jesus. He empowers you. He gives you the Holy Spirit. He gives you purity. He gives you kindness, the Holy Spirit, the word of truth, the power of God. He gives you those things. So you cannot do this. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. And so we know that God has to work in us in order for us to go and do the work of God. But remember, we have to be doers of the word and not hearers only. So does God do it or do we? Yes. Yes. In fact, that's how the church was empowered to go into all the world and preach the gospel in Acts 1:8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. You shall be ambassadors for me. You will plead. God will plead with the whole world through you. And yet too many Christians, they think that we're here for a life of comfort and pleasure until the Lord takes us home, and that he'll save people, he'll go out there and share the gospel, he'll do the work, and then we just receive. No. No, the, the Lord is pleading with the world through us. Now, on the tribulation side note, He's going to send an angel to go around the world. He's going to send two prophets in Jerusalem. The Word of God is going to go out. But that's only after He removes the what? The church. When His ambassadors are gone, He's using us. I say again, has the grace of God been given you in vain? Should make us nervous. And if you're called to be a disciple, then you can see the as verses here, as. They're paradoxes. They are seeming opposites, and yet they work together. The scripture says, as deceivers, and yet true. Uh, for example, the world thinks that I'm indoctrinating you. They think I'm brainwashing you. You know, the people that are telling us that men can be women and women can be men and we can be fluid in all things and we can decide what we want just by our feelings. You know, the people that are going after our children and saying that we should all believe whatever we want unless, of course, it's against what they want you to believe, then you're a racist bigot. You know, those people are telling me that I'm indoctrinating you with, you know, This truth that all of Western civilization has been built off of for the last 6,000 years. But I'm the one that's indoctrinating. As deceivers and yet true. A paradox. As unknown and yet well-known. You know, nobody. Oh, he's just a pastor. He's just a teacher. He's just a, oh yeah, just a pastor. But then they get kind of popular and then they get on the kind of the social medias and then they're attacked. They're attacked. Oh, how dare they say this? He's an example. He should be an exemplar. He should be the best. As unknown and yet well known. As dying. We talked about this last week. Every every minute that goes by, I'm dying. And yet, behold, I live. You know, it's all fun and games to be a Christian, a disciple of Christ, until you know someone that's really given their life for the Lord, really zealous, and watch them die of cancer. I've done that. It makes you question. It's all fun and games when you're serving the Lord and you got people that are alongside you and then they betray you and they leave. Like, what in the world? What? As chastened and yet not killed. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As having nothing. You ever been broke? No, I mean really Broke. Like, I've got inventions for foods that should not be eaten on how to make them kind of taste good. (laughs) I can make so many things out of government block cheese, I tell you. And yet, possessing all things because I have Christ. Yeah, everybody talks about being a Navy SEAL and they're super popular and they're great in the media, but nobody wants to roll on the beach at 2 o'clock in the morning after swimming 16 miles after carrying those boats, getting screamed at and sprayed with water hoses. They all want the T-shirt, but nobody wants to do the work. People talk about being a Christian. They talk about being a disciple. They talk about being a leader in the church. Well, you've got to be ready to give it all up then. All your comfort, all your reputation, all, everything, give it up. Remember what Paul said? If I live, it's for the glory of God. If I die, it's for the glory of God. I could become an utter failure, lost to obscurity, whatever. I signed up. This is what I signed up for. This was in the brochure. And so for many of us, this could be a very liberating message for you, even if you're not called to be a disciple, to just to realize what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose their soul? Everybody suffers. Everybody goes through difficult times. And we keep judging our Christian walk by those Christian movies where everything's great at the end. Everything comes back. Your health comes back. They answered prayers. It's like that only exists in Christian movies. That ain't in the Christian Bible. That ain't in the Word of God. Tell that to Peter, crucified upside down, because he wasn't worthy to be crucified right side up. Tell that to the Apostle Paul, beheaded, by one of the most tyrannical Caesars of all time? Crazy. Tell that to our Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, and yet, dying, behold, we live. All those that gave their lives in the service of the Lord are there in the kingdom now. Jesus has prepared a table before them in the presence of their enemies We'll all meet with Him at the marriage supper of the Lamb. We'll all see Him face to face, and not a single one of us will say, Man, I should have taken the other way. No. Now, Paul is saying all these things, not to talk about how great he is. He's saying all these things because now he has something he needs to tell the Corinthians. They need to change. In verses 11 through 16, O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Now in return for the same, I speak as to children, you also be open. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them and will be their God, and they shall be my people. Speaking of unequally yoked, that comes from Deuteronomy 22.10, where it says, you shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. Now, uh, an ox's mentality is when it gets startled, when it gets pushed, when it gets um, provoked or goaded, to use a King James word. He pulls. He pushes forward. A donkey does not do that. When a donkey gets startled, upset, it jumps, it kicks, it bites. It'll sometimes spit. It will, it'll go anything but where you want it to go. I'll give you a guess as to which is the pure animal and which is the unclean animal. Two wildly different natures. Listen, don't tell me you're a disciple. If you're living with someone you're not supposed to be living with, don't tell me you're a disciple and you count it all as lost for Christ, that it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives with me. When you're continuing to live in habitual sin, when you're not preaching the gospel, you don't have self-discipline, you don't have the fruits of the Spirit, you can go wear the T-shirt, you can watch the movie, you can have stolen valor in the church of Christ as well. Don't call, just don't call yourself a disciple because you're not. A disciple is willing to die for the glory of God. A disciple is willing to count it all lost for Christ. The disciple cares nothing for reputation, cares nothing for the things of this world. A a disciple is a disciplined one, my master over me. You can't have both. You can't have both. Uh, Just just share this one with you. I didn't share it with the first service, but... I talk to some of my military friends, and then I'm the, I provoke them to wrath is what I do. because so I start reading articles about how they're making, um, making basic training easier and easier to get more people in. And then they don't like that very much. Why not? Are we doing the same thing with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do we have the grace of God in vain? Are we trying to make it easier and easier and easier so that more and more people can serve? No. No, not here. We follow the word of God. Do not be unequally yoked with a non-believer. Listen, if you're living together and you're not married, then it's against the Word of God. God says don't do that. If you're using pharmacia, you're using drugs, you're getting drunk, you're in the world, you're, you're marrying the world, you're trying to bring that which is Christ has redeemed on the cross, and you're trying to marry it to the world. Stop it on what accord has Christ with Belial? What part has a believer with an unbeliever? Now we're to be in the world, but not of the world. We're to be in that ministry of reconciling, but not reconciling the world to the gospel. We're to have the world change, not the gospel change. We're to bring Christ to the world with no compromise because we have something greater to live for than this world, and that is to be in the presence of Jesus Christ for all of eternity. And so Paul is teaching the Corinthians. He's sharing the Corinthians what we're going to learn here in Calvary Chapel, Lowcountry, verses 17 through 18. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you. And you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So, come out from among them. Stop it. Hey, the harvest is plentiful when the laborers are few. But remember that, that clip I shared with you, that beating that guy took. All he had to do was take a knee, and the, the pain would have stopped. All he had to do was literally throw in the towel. You know, that's where we get that from, boxing, throwing the towel. It's over. Hey, we're done. We, won't, we don't want to take any more. What did he do? He picked up that mouthpiece and he smiled. That is to be a minister of the gospel, to endure, to be able to continue forward. You want to be Christ's disciple? You want to be a follower of him? Then know what you're getting into. But he says you can be his disciple. In John 8, 31, 32, Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free, shall make you free. Abide in His Word. Whatever the Bible says, do it. And whatever happens to us doesn't matter. Be called out from among them. Be separate. Be different. Live for greater calling, greater purpose, for eternity. We only have one life to live. And it's only what's done for Christ is going to last. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. And I pray, Lord, nothing for us this morning. We just want you to be magnified and glorified. It's your work. Use us as you see fit. Help us to not be pew potatoes. We don't want to waste this grace that you've given to us. But like Paul says, help us to labor more abundantly than anyone thank you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, come on up. We'd love to pray with you, share with you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.